All right, welcome to another episode of the Between Two Pines podcast. This is episode 18. This week you have myself and then my lovely co-host, Zach. Uh, This week we're going to talk about what we did in the outdoors, some outdoor news, and then hopefully we'll see if it could happen or not, but we may have an interview um, coming up here as part of this episode. If not, we'll still give you something, but we're hoping we have a really good interview this week. Uh, This week, Zach... What'd you do? Anything fun and exciting in the outdoors? Uh, turkey season wrapped up uh, three days ago. I wasn't able to kill a second turkey, um, but that's all right. They got out and did some fishing. Um, it's rained probably every day for the past week, it feels like. Um, we had a tornado touchdown not too far from us. Uh, a tree fell on my personal truck. Oh, any damage? Uh, dented up my hood. Just the, dented up the hood pretty good, cracked the windshield. That sucks. Um, yeah, what sucks even worse is with this type of deal, my insurance is giving me a thousand dollar deductible. Oh, gross. You gotta so, pay a thousand bucks um, just to get your are you gonna get the hood fixed or just the windshield? Well, I can probably pound out the hood, I well, think. Honestly, at that point, you should just consider uh, doing the uh, the windshield yourself. I mean, I did uh, – I replaced my windshield, on which I have a lower deductible, but even if I would have paid out of pocket, it was only 250 bucks, I think, for the new windshield and insulation. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? You, they, yeah, you might actually but... be better off just, just going in and, uh, you know, paying out of pocket. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad, and it's on the passenger side, so I don't know. But I didn't need that. Uh, but just trying to get out fishing, caught a couple bluegills, couple actually caught some catfish at a local pond, kept them. Um, but, yeah, just trying to stay dry seems to be harder and harder. Every day it's been like, I think tomorrow's the only day in the last 10 days or it's, we're not going to get rain, supposedly. So it's just kind of hard to stay busy when it's that crappy out, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, I mean, how's the fishing down there? I mean, are you catching a lot of, are you keeping the gills? We're trying to. Um, Lately, we just run into, we catch one or two that are pretty small. So we throw them back and then it's later in the day and we catch a bigger one. We're like, oh, maybe we'll start keeping them. And we throw it in the bucket, and then we just don't catch any more. So, so we just throw you that just one back. You just got to start keeping them. That's the thing, because you fillet. Like my thing is, you fillet one with gills, because I, I'm, I, I think bluegills really good tasting fish, but they're also kind of a pain to fillet. So I don't know. I, I think you know, there's a lot easier fish to fillet. I guess they're not that bad. It's like doing a crappie. But uh, yeah, that's cool though. You're catching fish. Yeah, I mean, I can fly through them pretty good, but it's just, do I want to come home after dark and fillet two bluegills every every other day <laughs> until I get enough for That's a meal? That's what I'm saying. You just keep them all, and then you decide at the end of it, and you know, eh, well, I'll let them go. If you're just keeping them in a bucket, they'll just swim right off. But yeah, and then uh, you, so you you didn't you weren't able to shoot a second turkey. No, came close one day. Uh, I started making moves on a gobbler that was just gobbling his lips off all morning um 
ended up being pretty close to the road and a couple other hunters had the same idea. So I think that bird just got too pressured and got out of there. Um, but that's kind of the, the way the Ozarks, everybody chases after all the gobblers and then you just got to try to be the first one yeah. there. Yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, I mean, I had some, well, I shouldn't, no, I mean, I, I didn't really have much pressure where I was hunting, but, uh, yeah, my hunts were like, were dookie. This whole freaking dude, I'm so over. I, I was like, all right, like I had some of my coworkers were asking me, which, well, I guess I'll lead into it. What did I do? What did I do this? Zach, you got anything else? All That's right. It. Well, this week I, uh, well, I did a lot of stuff. So, cause we didn't record last week. We reused another one or did we, I, I can't even remember, but, um, and if I didn't say it already, I mean, I got out for the opener, uh, the Wisconsin opener for fishing. Um, we limited out two days in a row, caught a whole slab of walleyes, caught a whole mess of crappie, perch. So I got quite a few fillets sitting in my fridge right now. Um, went turkey hunting three times, I think. Um, was hearing turkeys at one of my spots, but couldn't get them to come by me. And then, of course, and I know I already told you the story, but I'll tell the listeners, uh, you know, I'm calling, calling, calling. I'm like, ah, I got to go to work. So split, head out to work right at the end of the road where I was hunting in this open field. There's two giant freaking toms just strutting away, full spread out. You know, they're fully fanned out, giant birds. I'm like, oh, figures continue down the road. I'm about half mile down the road now. Oh, look, there's four more in the field with about 20 hens. Oh, great. So. Yeah, it's always how it works. Like, as soon as you leave the stand, you know, you see the trophy buck, like, three fields away. You're like, oh, cool. This is the same thing with this. It was it was, it was, was dumb. But, um... Uh, <laughs> Turkey hunting is mm-hmm. pretty dumb. But, uh, yeah, but I had a good time. I mean, it was nice getting out. It had good weather, so I can't complain. And then, um, been working on my boat a lot. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll actually post some pictures up. Uh, maybe some before and afters of, um... What I did with my boat, got it all hooked up. It's going to be real good for fishing. And then I went out yesterday, actually, and did some catfishing yesterday. Didn't catch anything. Uh, the girlfriend and I, we just went out, and we're just kind of hanging out by the water. I figured I'd bring my rods and uh, just threw out some catfish bait on some egg sinkers, you know, the typical setup. But didn't catch anything, but it was, it was nice just being able to, you know, go and cast a little bit. And then I'm hoping this weekend – I'm either I'm definitely going to get out on the river and try for some bass and some walleyes or I'm going to go out because now trout is open. You could actually keep the trout now. I'm going to go out and try and get a limited trout, which would be real nice. Nice. So, yeah, well, uh, I, I mean, if you got anything else, um, we could get right into the uh, the old news here. Um, so I'll lead us into this first article here. Um a hunter hit the Oklahoma Grand Slam, which is the, for those that don't know, with hunting, there's tons. Of, I mean, how many Grand Slams are there? Oh, gosh. There's just pretty much any, well, let's try and name some. So there's the Turkey Grand Slam. Yeah, all the, and you could do the inter, International Grand Slam, which includes the Oscillated. So I think there's what five. Yeah, Super Slam or the World yep, Slam. Yep, and that's every species of turkey. And there's some guy I was listening to the Meat Eater podcast. There was some guy that's done it with like, he's done the the World Grand Slam like three times. He's done it with, uh, I think, shotgun, muzzle loader, 
bow and arrow, and now he's trying to do it with hand shotguns, handgun shotguns. Uh, no, well, he did four. One of them was was with the crossbow. No, that's as well. what it was. It was a crossbow. That's what it was. Yeah, but yeah. So there's all sorts, and there's the turkey. Well, well, there's the duck. What is it in there? Duck grand slam. Yep, all twenty or thirty-two species of water huntable waterfowl in the U.S. Yeah, and then what else? Then you got. I mean, each state. There's a deer slam. Yep, which is what? That's the the uh, mule deer, blacktail. Whitetail, and I think that's it, right? Columbia blacktail, Sitka blacktail, coos deer, mule deer, whitetail. Um, yeah, there. And then there's the big game grand or the big game slam, which is all 29 big game species, huntable big game species in North America. Geez. Yeah, and that. Which is hard to get now because a polar bear falls under that, and a walrus falls <laughs> under that. I'm sorry. We should if if anyone listening to this or is on our Instagram or anything and you've hunted walrus, please, for the love <laughs> of God, let us interview you. Because I want to know how that goes down. I'm just I'm just <laughs> picturing someone walking up in execution style, just like walking up to a walrus and shooting him in the back of the head. Oh man. A sleeping walrus. <laughs> That's messed up. Like that, or putting out putting out a decoy. Oh gosh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. But uh, yeah, so there's all sorts of different ones. I mean, each state kind of has, uh, kind of has their own. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, so does Wisconsin? Do, well, do you have one in, uh, in Missouri? Uh, I don't think so. Really, the only big game here is deer. So far, there's no. No bear season or elk season yet. Yeah, I'm sure Wisconsin has one. I'm sure it's very similar to this one. But, yeah, this gentleman, uh, Brandon Adams, uh, so he shot, what does it look like here? So he's got a white tail, a black tail, an antelope, a bear, and an elk. He all shot in a mule deer. Is it a mule deer? Um, yeah, so black yeah. bear, elk, pronghorn, mule deer, white tail. All during the same hunting season and all with a bow, which – the fact that he did this during one season, that's impressive. He's got a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. Hands. What does this guy do for a living? That's the real question. What does he do? What does this guy do? It doesn't say. Oh, he produces outdoor judging he on produces the, outdoor videos. Yeah. Judging on the pictures of the inside of his house where these mounts are, he's not hurting yeah, for money. No, by by no stretch, which big ups to this guy nonetheless. Uh Brandon you done good. That's really cool. I mean, that, that would be something really cool. You know, I'm shooting. I mean, I would love to be able to do, you know, some grand slams of fishing. I think that would be cool. Um, the hunting, I'm not as, you know, I don't really care to hunt bear or anything that doesn't really do much for me, but, um, the fishing one, I would love to be able to, uh, to knock all those out. I mean, I'm still working on wild, the catching all of the wild trout in Wisconsin. I still haven't caught a rainbow. So I want to catch a wild rainbow. How many trout are in Wisconsin? Uh, three. Four if you count a lake trout. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, good job on this guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's all I got to <laughs> say about that. All right. Um, did you, were you able to read this article about the, uh, the new, uh, uh, what is it, the Clear, Clear Waters Act or the, um, what's it called? The, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm totally blank. The Clean Water Act. Excuse me. Um, were you able to read this article? 
Um, a little bit. And I've heard a little bit about it. Um, I'll just say what I know and then you could fill yep. in the rest. But basically, from my interpretations and what I hear, this is kind of a new uh, guidelines um, from the EPA under the Trump administration to kind of make adjustments to the Clean Water Act. So there's not really as many uh, pieces and bodies of water that fall under these regulations. So like one big one I hear is the the prairie pothole wetlands and stuff would now not be under those protections. And I don't know if it goes to ephemeral streams or whatnot, but just lifting uh, uh, restrictions and some of those really important uh, ecosystems. Yeah, and it is kind of interesting because we'll cover it in the next article. But, you know, I, I do have my concerns with this. Um, it, it's it's a tricky thing. It, it really is because the, the weird thing about this, and at least from what I've derived, and I could be totally wrong. So anyone who's out there, please email us and correct me. But for the most part, these have been kind of in purgatory where nothing has really changed because they've been like in legislation, but weren't passed and all this different stuff. So it's kind of these regulations have been in purgatory where they haven't been fully passed that these lands get removed from it, but they've been treated as if they were removed from it. And now they are like officially removed from it. So I don't really know what exactly how this works, but basically Long story short of it is a bunch of um, uh, waterways that were under the CWA, the Clear Water Act, are now removed from the Clear Water Act, which will give uh, less protection against mining and other things and will be able to be used for a variety of other things. Um, And it could be dangerous for pollution and access and other things. So this is definitely going to be one to to keep an eye on. Um, But, yeah, I don't know how this is going to play out. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know either. It's it's very real important to uh, a lot of these areas that maybe don't hold permanent water, um, you know, ephemeral uh, streams and potholes and uh, wetlands are some of the most critical habitats that we still have on the landscape. So um, it'll just be something to keep our eyes on, like you said, and make sure we contact our uh, legislators to kind of voice our opinions oh, about. Absolutely. Um, and then, uh, so what do we got for the next article here? So for the next article here, we have, so this is kind of the opposite of what we just said. So um, this is, and I guess this is a little bit older article is from August or excuse me, April 9th. So it's about a month old. Um, 2.3 million acres, if I'm mistaken. Let me make sure I got this right. Do, 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 do. Let me read through here. Yeah, 2.3 million acres of land is being open to hunting and fishing on more than 100 national wildlife, uh, national wildlife refuges and fish hatcheries across the country. So a lot of hunting groups, which I'm sure um, QDMA and um, what's the other one? Uh, um yeah, BHA. BHA. Uh, I'm sure they've been uh, lobbying for this. But yeah, 2.3 million acres is going to be open now, which is going to be sweet. And this stretches all the way from California 
all the way to Delaware, to Maine, New Hampshire, even into the Everglades. So it's kind of all over the place. And uh, an interesting one is I saw that it's now going to allow alligator hunting in three national wildlife refuge- refuges. So if you're an alligator hunter, pretty neat for you. Uh, even in, yes, yeah, uh, Savannah and South Carolina, Savannah, Georgia and South Carolina. Yeah, it's all going to be opened up a lot more land. So that'll be pretty sweet. Yeah, um, I think it's it's all um, national wildlife refuges that were opening up different forms of hunting and fishing, if I recall correctly. Um, but just just better, uh, good to see better access and things like that. Um, you know, in a world where that seems to be getting farther from our our reach, it's good to see that. Uh, even our presidential team is working on getting more access to hunters and yeah, fishermen. It just shows that, you know, the voices are being heard from these, these groups. And I think that's a good thing for anyone that may not be a member of, uh, you know, uh, backcountry hunters and anglers or, you know, whatever other uh, groups that, you know, QDMA, any of these uh, things that uh, try and get more area open to hunters um, I think it's, uh, I think it's working, which is a really good thing, but, uh, yeah, so that'll be cool. Maybe uh, if anyone's hunting any of these new spots, let us know. We'd be curious how the hunting is. All right. So this week we have Nathan Edmonds, who is a captain of, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Nathan, if you want to introduce yourself, do you want to kind of give an introduction of who you are? what you do, and uh, just kind of a general introduction for everyone. My name's Captain Nate Edmonds. Um, I run a walleye fishing charter on Lake Erie. I also do smallmouth bass, yellow perch. Uh, I've been fishing there for 35 years. I've been running a charter business. This is year seven. Um, It's went into a weekend hobby, and it's almost into a full-time business if I wanted it to be. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. So let me ask this, and obviously you're a fisherman, and I'm assuming you, you fished as a kid and all that. So how did you actually get into ca- being a, a charter captain? Because, I mean, for many of us, I mean, I fish all the time, but that's not something I really would think about doing. So how did you get started in this? Well, the opportunity, I mean, has been there for a long time. And it just, as I matured in age, I've always wanted to do it. But w- once I... Re- started to see what the business had to offer it was it was a no-brainer i mean it's yeah. it's fun I, I i see the same people year after year i get to know them i get i get to see them grow i get to see their kids they start bringing their kids i mean it's it's just an intriguing business to me is what it was and and so did you grow up fishing on Lake Erie and then you just kind of moved over? You're like, hey, I know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. Let's I, why don't I get paid for this? Yeah, I've got pictures of me. I got pictures of me in diapers on the lake. Yeah. I've been I've been there since nineteen eighty four. And so it was always Lake Erie though. Yes. I fished Lake Michigan for salmon. I fished streams in West Virginia for trout. You know, I've fi- I fished all over the place. But Lake Erie walleye fishing is my forte. And so you've said that you've been doing this for how long? 35 years you've been doing this for? I've been fishing Lake Erie for 35 years since I've been able. So I've been in the boat before I could walk. 
you've been doing this for 35 years. So how does uh, 35 years, how does that compare to some of the other captains on the lake? Would you say that you have more or less experience than some of the other captains that are out there? I think there's a small group that's my age that don't have the years on the lake that I, that I do. If someone my age, now there's some guys that's younger that I would say, are you on here? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're on here. Uh, I would say there's some guys that's younger than me that have that that are better fishermen than me. I would say there's guys that's older that's be- than that's better fishermen than me on certain days. Well, there's certain there's certain yeah. days that the years on the lake, you know where to go. You you know where you know where you know where the fish are going to be that certain day of the year when the water's the way the water collars the way it needs to be. You know there's going to be fish there. And there's no question in your mind when you leave the harbor and you go 16 miles to that spot, there's going to be fish there waiting on you. Oh, for sure. For sure. Do you notice, do you notice that that tends to be a trends throughout the year? Like every year, do you notice those same kind of cycles? Yes. Yes. I, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a timeline thing for me. Now, if I got, if I got the water collar in this spot, this spot or this spot, I know I can go there and catch fish that time of year. Right now, it's it's based on water color. You don't want most time you think fishing. You want that. You want the cleanest water you can find. You know, you want that. You want that perfectly clear water where you fit, think the fish can see the bait. It's not. That's not the case. Ninety five percent of the time on Lake Erie, this time of year and earlier, the fish want the dirtier water because it's warmer. Okay. Hmm. Sure. So yeah, and so uh, I, mean, oh, I fish off of satellite photos. So I hope all week for just looking for watercolors yeah. through satellites. Yes. That's what, that's huh. what base is where I go. Huh. Wow. That's interesting. And so I was actually talking and, and, they, and I have a little bit of uh, I I don't know what you'd call it. I have a little bit more access to some um, bright minds in the fisheries field. And a lot of people that are, PhDs and fisheries and everything else. And I actually had a good discussion about one of the, or, or with a fisheries professor. And we were talking about the, the Lake Erie fishery in total. And for those that don't know that are listening, Lake Erie is some of the, and actually it is recorded, has the highest population of walleye of any place in recorded history. And I want to know for you, with these high numbers, how does that affect your fishing? There's so many damn fish in Lake Erie right now. How does that affect your fishing? It's, I mean, you, you sort. You, you, I mean, people think walleye fishing, you know, you're going to 17 inches an eater. Yeah, that's an eater. But if you want to throw it back, you can keep every fish you put in a cooler all day long above 20 inches. And, I mean, we're, we're, tossing, we're tossing big ones back. You know, we're tossing big fish back every day, 28 inches, 29 inches. Wait, 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 hold up. You're throwing 28 inches back? Yeah. I mean, those are – everybody, everybody wants the state record. And if, and if everybody don't release some of the big fish – if I got a big fish and it's hooked and it's, and it's bleeding, it's going in the cooler because I'm not going to throw it back to the seagulls. Yeah. Yeah, but for we sure. Get, so we we have one that's in okay. good shape. It's going back in the water. That way, 
it can go out there and swim around, maybe become the next 17 pound walleye. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and what currently is the limits for, for walleye right now? Um, six fish per person. Um, and that's a little different from the beginning of April until May when we usually fish for the big trophy fish. I mean, eight, we put the boat in March 17th and we fish. The, the fishery's unbelievable. I, I can't say that enough. You can't go out and catch different year classes of walleye for from the last 10 years you know it's well and and what i was reading was so i think this year they were recording at least by the michigan dnr they were saying it's something like 115 million fish in lake erie and they're predicting for next year 156 million fish which is going to be three to four times the average the previous average of walleye do you think that they're going to raise any of the limits or you think they're going to stick with that? six? I, I've seen limits get raised to 10 fish before back when I was, um, I would say 12, 13 years old. And it, it done, done some population control. And then we got into the, the 2003, it was right. And I think it was right in that time, little, maybe a little bit before 2003 when the fish limit was 10, I really can't recall the date, but. Then they then they shrunk it back down and they started the the new um, four fish in April, six fish after May first. And so, and you were mentioning earlier, and I know you're kind of breaking up here, but so you're going for the trophies, and what what time frame are you looking for the trophies? April, May is the trophies, and after that, I mean, Mar- March and April, you're going to get a consistent trophy fish bite. I mean, you're you're going to catch big ones. And what, what would you can, and I know it's so, it's so different here in Wisconsin compared to Ohio, but what is a trophy uh, consideration for you? on? Well, for me right now, my trophy consideration, looking, looking at my wall, I mean, I got one that's almost 13 pounds. Oh my God, <laughs> Jesus, man, that's a, that's unheard yeah, 33, of. It was 33 and a half inches and it, and it had a 19 and a quarter inch girth. Uh, Holy <laughs> that, cow. that doesn't even make sense for us yeah. here. Jesus, Mary Joseph. Yeah, that's insane. So are you catching those pretty right Well, right before that one, I caught a, I caught a 31 <laughs> inch, 10 and a half pounder. <laughs> yeah, and see the the nines, tens on the Wolf River up by us. Those are, I mean, those are trophy fish. The between, I would say, like seven and ten is a trophy fish. But good God, anything over ten, that's like that's a unicorn. Well, yeah, you here. you come in, you come in March, and and I mean, you get the weather, and everybody is there on time, and we get out there and we hit the daylight bite. I guarantee a fish over eleven pounds most almost 90% chance of a fish over 11 pounds every day. <laughs> That's absolutely bonkers. And so what is the setup? And I mean, I could talk like the day is long for the walleye setups on the river here in Wisconsin and Zach, Zach's in Missouri. So I'm sure he doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of walleye fishing, but what's kind of the typical rigs that you're seeing and you don't have to give away any trade secrets, but what's kind of the typical setups? Well, you guys I mean, right, right now we're in a, I would say in a transition phase, the water temperatures getting into the fifties, the people are starting to catch them on worm harnesses, um, cast and worm harnesses, throwing eerie dairies. 
you can catch them any way you like them. I prefer to troll. I I go out and I put yeah. a spread of rods out, you know, six, eight, 10, 12, 16 rods on a big set of planer boards like salmon fishing. Yeah, Light line, true. fluorocarbon leader, custom colored paint, custom painted crankbaits. And we troll the big, the, the mud flats. In the spring, in the spring, early in March, we troll. Um, I want to see how I put this without giving it away. We troll contour lines close to structure. Okay. And see, that, that was going to be one of my follow-up questions. When we talked to Cody Honor, who's a Bassmaster fisherman, a professional fisherman, and we kind of talked to him about what he looks for when he's fishing the bass and kind of the stuff that he looks for ahead of time before he goes into a tournament. And I guess I'd pose the same question for you. Is there any stuff, and I know you said that you use the satellite maps, but is there certain features that you're kind of looking for or anyone that's a walleye captain? Are you looking for certain things that you know will Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's different – I'm going to get it. I'll get into this a little deeper. There's different types of fishing. I mean, you've got the Western basin fishing, you've got the central basin fishing, you've got the Eastern basin fishing. These fish migrate hundreds of miles. And what happens is they go down, they, they come down in the Western end, which is the shallowest part of the lake. They spawn, they flip around and they make the long migration back to the Eastern end of the lake from uh, basically they stay in the summer from Marblehead Lighthouse all the way east into into New York. And I I moved I moved down to Marblehead in July and I fish east of Kelly's Island out in out in the flats. And all you do is you, you just roam around out there until you find a school of fish. It's and I and I know you've sent me pictures and I've seen the pictures, which gets me jonesing to get out there to fish. But when you see these schools, and I, and I don't think for anyone that fishes in Wisconsin or any of the other states in the Midwest, and I know there's plenty of salmon fishermen that I know, but these schools that you're seeing seem absolutely astronomical. How big are these schools? That you're well, um, the school we're fishing right now, me and, me and one boat that is a really close friend of mine, he actually lives in the suburbs of Chicago, and him and his wife, they fish, and me and him kind of communicate on what we're doing. I'll start three miles away. He'll start th- three miles the other way, and we'll kind of work together and kind of try to figure out exactly where, they, where they're at because they move. They're predators. They're chasing bait. They're going to move up and down this. We're fishing, con- we're fishing breaks on contour lines and points that stick out off the, off the breaks is all, is all we're targeting, and Ninety-five percent of the time, the, the fish are the fish are there. Year after year after year. And and so, have you seen with these, um, you know, these bigger populations of fish? Has it been like something that you are noticeably seeing a difference of the size of schools that you're seeing, oh, or is this just kind of you're just oh, more fish? You, you you can. I mean, when you're running across a lake and you're running twenty-five mile an hour, then you have a bunch of yellow dots start coming across your 12 inch fish on your screen and you, sl- and you slow it down a little bit and the whole screen's just covered in fish. You know, you're in the money. Oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I see those pictures that you sent me and I know the pictures that you posted on your uh, Facebook there. It, it just seems so like out, it doesn't even seem like it makes sense. I'm just seeing these graph pictures you sent me and the screen is covered yeah. with them. And do you think the, and these are all eaters? Oh, yeah. Thing? Yeah. We we haven't caught we this year yet. I mean, it's going to it's going to happen, but we have not caught one sub legal walleye since March 17th. We have not caught one fish under that 15-inch mark. We haven't even come close. Wow. Yeah, I should say insane. we haven't cut a fish even close to the 15-inch mark. That's insane. So what's your biggest one? Um, we, had, we had some 31-and-a-halfs, 32s. I mean, some pretty big ones. But, I mean, I didn't get a, I didn't get a run um, a bunch of trips, so we were just fun fishing. Yeah, well, and and that's the thing. And uh, there, sorry, Zach, did you have a question there? Um, yeah, I don't know if this is getting too much into fish biology or not, but so you know where these schools are, and they seem to be. You can find them year after year after year. I know, like even within the year, if I'm crappie fishing, I can catch a couple of nine-inch crappies in the spring, and then by fall, I can't catch one that's under 10 or 11 inches like i feel like that age class i can see it grow throughout the year do you think that these schools are the same schools making those same trips and you're finding them or are they you know different age classes or can you see that your catch sizes go up when you target certain schools um, it, it it varies i mean the, the longer you wait the, the longer you wait in the year the, the smaller the, the, the fish will start to shrink. And you'll and if you follow my Facebook page, you'll see. You'll see coming up here starting at the probably the end of May, it'll start the, the, the board size will start shrinking on the fish. And then once I move my boat after I come to Wisconsin the week of fourth or yeah, the last weekend in June through the first there few first few days of July. I'll come back. My boat will be down there and the fish size will increase a little bit. Okay. And so if you, if you had to say, you know, if I was some schmo, if I was some fib from Illinois coming out to you, uh, what time do you think is the best year to come down? You know, if I was going to use your, your charter service, what's the best time of year to come down? I I go through this with that, with every client. It depends on what you want. Do you want to, do you want to come up and you want to, take a chance on fishing in 33 degree weather and a, and a blizzard do, or do you want to come in may when the weather is more favorable and you can still catch a pile of fish and and still have that chance at a big one now, it, it all depends on yeah. it all depends on what you want you want to come for that trophy and risk the weather or do you want to wait for more favorable conditions and come and load your freezer up yeah and so what, what would you say is like you know as a captain you obviously see everyone what do you think is um your clientele, what, what do you think you seem uh, people are more biased towards, the, the trophy or the, the I, fill in the freezer? My, my April is I have the same guys year after year after year after year. And they, they're, look, they're looking for that, that, the one. And they they've, they've caught some, and they've took some home and put them on the wall, but they haven't caught that one that they're all looking for. 
Well, isn't that the the curse of the fisherman? Once you get the one, you want the next. Yeah, the one. Yep. It all it always goes up year <laughs> after year. You catch a twenty eight, you put it on the wall, and then the next year you're ah, I yep. want a thirty. Ah, I want a thirty five. Exactly. Yeah. No, I know how that yep. goes. Um, <clears throat> but I kind of wanted to work back here a little bit, and we like to talk to you know all these people that are in the outdoors field. Um, just about their job and how it works. And we kind of got a background on how you got into it. But what does a typical day look like? If I was, uh, you know, a guy, you know, a young guy that wanted to become a charter captain, want to know what a typical day looks like. What does a typical day look like for a charter captain? Well, I, I mean, you wake up super early. You get the boat. You, you go down and get your ice ready. You get get your lunch. Get, get Drink your coffee. Make sure everything's tidy on the boat, ready to go. Clients show up 645 on the boat at 7, out the river. You fish for six, eight hours. You come back in, and you clean up the boat. You clean up the fish. You get your clientele sitting on the way. And by then, it's 334 o'clock. you got to cook dinner. I mean, it's a 12-hour it's a 12, a 12 day, every day. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I've talked to some people that are, are salmon charter fishermen and things, and I think there's this kind of, um, I don't know what you'd call it, but this fantasy that these charter captains, you know, they just go out and it's like, oh, the funnest job of all time. We just go out and fish all day. But it definitely seems, you know, for someone that's kind of seen it firsthand is it, it's, it's oh, yeah. work. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, people don't see the boat, the the, the maintenance on the boat they don't see the maintenance on the fishing equipment just like just like earlier i i mean i i come home and i i, I got my i got my line from suffix and i had two reels that i that i had to school up well it's just you just don't put line on these reels it's i put line on these reels and then i got i go outside and i hook to my stake and i pull it out 100 foot to make sure that my that my reels calibrated that way when I let my crankbait out on the boat I know where my crankbait's diving I know where it's at in the water column and that that's how I yeah. control the fish is knowing that my equipment I can put the baits if I want the baits to go 15 foot I can put the baits 15 foot if I want the baits to go 20 I can put them 20 yeah and I think that's something that people don't realize and I think that's a big separation is you know the the layman fisherman there compared to a professional fisherman is the it's the little things like you're saying stretching the line out custom painted lures and what do you think is the the things if you had to choose one thing that you think separates the pros from the the average schmo that goes out what do consistency you think it it's it's consistency you know you got guys come in six eight fish guys say water's too muddy don't even go out but it's you have to learn to adapt to the lake just because you have eight footers the night before and the water's muddy. Don't mean you can't go catch fish. Yeah, no. And yeah, I could, I mean, I could absolutely see that. And you've probably seen every weather pattern that there is no oh, yeah. man on that lake. And, uh, and so for, for Lake Erie and those that don't know, I mean, it's, it's a flat, it's a pretty much just a flat lake. What, I mean, like when you're out on Lake Michigan, I've fished Lake Michigan for salmon plenty of times. You're talking getting out to a 80, 100, 120 foot of water. I mean, you you don't see anything we, like that. Um, we're here, fishing the last, the last uh, four and a half weeks. We've been fishing 
27 foot of water. And and what's what's like a deep is that like deep fishing no, for Lake Erie? The, the western basin fishing? is the shallowest basin in the lake. You, and it's I would say roughly no I, I can't even tell you the square mileage, but it's a pretty big big chunk of water. And then you go past the islands and you get into the central basin and you're looking 40, 50 foot. When you get down to Cleveland, I mean there's 80 and you can get out to 110 foot. That's where all the fish that's where the fish okay, so, spend the, the heat of the summer. So the big ones. Yeah, so it does so it does get pretty deep there, yeah. See, I've always been under the impression that the lake doesn't really get that yes. deep, but it actually does. Okay, that's where yeah, the population kind of, of steelhead, um, lake trout, all that jazz is. Yeah, and so um, for someone, like I said, you know, a, a young guy that's getting into maybe wants to become a captain, um, right now, do you think this is a sustainable line of work? And, you know, and you could say honestly or, you know, whatever you think, but do you think this is like an actual sustainable line of work? Because I know plenty of fishermen that they do this full time and make damn good money doing it. Do you think this is a, st- a sustainable line of work for a young Absolutely. guy? I know guys that's full time. I know charter companies that, that hire young captains. You know, I, there's, I know guys that's got four boats, 15 boats, three boats, two boats, and they make a living at it. That is their job. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think it's a great thing for people to get into. And I think, you know, and I work in a, in an industry, right. You know, I work right now at the, I work at a place where I see a lot of young people that are looking to get into the natural resources. And I, you know, I think this is one of those jobs that kind of flies under the radar where you can make pretty yeah. damn good money doing this if you, but you got to do it right. And you got to put the yeah. time in, just like you're saying, this is not going out for funsies just fishing yeah this you're fishing for a hundred dollar bills i mean that's all that's all i, I had an i had <laughs> i mean i'm i had a i had an older captain call me the other day uh, a retired um united steel worker iron worker and that's that's exactly what he told me he said he's from pennsylvania i can't do this no more i gotta fish this is how i make my living i fish for hundred dollar bills i don't fish for walleyes anymore and i mean Coming from somebody like that, that that's their livelihood. That's great. You know, that that's that's his livelihood. He retired early, and that's what he does full time now. And I, yeah, and I'm sure he yeah. enjoys the hell out yeah. of it. And and it's very enjoyable. It's it's a lot of fun. And 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 oh god, for sorry. some for some young person, it it would be. I mean, they could turn it into a career, but it don't, it's not a flip of a switch. It's basically building a pyramid from yeah. the ground up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can see yeah, It's not just going out in your little 16 foot, uh, you know, your, your 1980 uh, crest liner and, and expecting to catch fish just yeah. uh, willy nilly. Uh, you know, it seems like you gotta, yeah, you gotta put the time and the work yep. into it. Definitely. And, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I know you have a pretty prominent following on Facebook and you, plo- you post a lot of good stuff. And I just wonder from your perspective, how important now in this day and age in 2020, how important is online advertising and Facebook content now versus the day even I can remember as a kid, you know, and I have parents that own businesses, you know, the word of mouth 
versus the the Facebook and online advertising? How how have you seen that shift? There's a slight shift, but the the word of mouth is still there. And I was very I was very surprised in the beginning because I thought creating a website, creating a Facebook page, being out there on social media as much as possible would just have this big influx of customers. It it, it kind of did for a second, but then it kind of didn't. And then the, you know, the word of mouth kind of started traveling. And, you know, I've got clients that come in from all over. I got clients that come from Texas, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. I mean, all over the place, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, they come from all over to fish there. Yeah. And so are you, and so do you think you're, would you say, and, and obviously you know better than anyone, are you, so you think word of mouth is still more prevalent than people I, finding I you on Facebook or anything like that? I think it's probably a 50-50 ordeal, right? Yeah. So, um, and uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just always interesting to me because I think some of the, do you think the old time, and I don't know, it's just so weird to me. You think the old timers are like using the Facebook and those that are the old timers that have their clientele, do you think they're doing better or worse because of Facebook? And I, all I this think other stuff? some of them took a toll, but I think most of the, the old, old timers are starting to, fa- are starting to phase out of the business. I mean, I've known a lot of older charter captains and there's been a lot of them just kind of slide into the darkness. You know, you don't, you don't see, see them, hear from them, nothing. They're just gone. Huh? Huh? That's interesting. Well, Zach, before we get in, I got some, uh, some fun questions here for you, but Zach, did you have any questions about kind of the techniques or any of the, the day-to-day operations here before we move on? Um, I mean, one thing I'm just always curious about, uh, what kind of graphs Simrad. are you running? I got a Simrad um, 12 touchscreen and a touch, uh, Simrad 9-inch touchscreen. And, I... and, and, you, and you probably rely on that pretty heavily. I mean, the GPS has got to be it's, like, you know, it's a must-have a, it's a, boat, right? I, if you're going to Lake Erie, don't go out on the lake without some sort of GPS navigation system. Don't rely on a cell phone. And don't rely on a map because, you, yeah, okay. And, and so you'll get out there and you oh, won't be so able to see ahead. land. So you you got to know what you're doing. And and what and I've seen Lake Michigan in some of its worst scenarios, and you know Lake Superior. I've been out there when I've seen you know eight ten footers. How bad does it get out on Lake Erie? Pretty bad. I mean, what is it? The was that the Edmund Fitzgerald? That was superior, thing? You know, but, that was superior. But I mean, how it gets bad? How bad does that it lake get will out kill there? you if you don't respect it? There's no doubt about it. I've seen so many people not come back to the dock in my lifetime. It's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, that's terrifying. And so with that, I mean, what I run kind a twenty-eight of, what foot. Boat are you running sportcraft boat? Yep. Oh, that's a big girl. That's yep, a big got a 454 big block Chevy single screw inboard. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Just I run Okuma convector reels, Okuma dead eye telescoping trolling rods, suffix braid, suffix fluorocarbon leaders. Uh, what else is it? Uh, most of the time, it's 
either a Rapala DDH-12 crankbait or a Bandit crankbait. 90% of them is custom painted by either HONS custom lures or DJs customized. Yeah. So, so Zach had a question for you. Yeah. Um, so when, when these clients you take out, they catch their fish of the lifetime or, um, you know, just you have a great day with them. Everybody catches all their fish or anything like that. Is that kind of, do you get that feeling like you caught the fish too then still? Is that still kind of what the 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 simplest form of fishing still gets oh, you excited? I, like when that? I when I see them rods bending over and the clients fighting fish and smiles on their face, it gets, I'm I'm accomplished. My day my day's made. You know. Yeah, that's just as that's just as good for you as you you are. Oh yeah, I, the real. yeah. That's that's all the earth. They catch they they catch every one of them. I don't. Most from now from now until October, there will be very few fishing days for me. I mean, I'll... yeah, and uh, yeah, and let me ask you this. And I know we're kind of in this time, and I gotta ask, you know, which I'm sure you're tired tired of hearing about it, and everyone is tired of hearing and talking about it. But I'm gonna ask anyways. So how is this? Um, and I know Ohio had some weird regs because they wouldn't allow out of state licenses. How is this whole um, pandemic affected you guys? It, it, it's put a big damper on the charter industry. I mean, it's just not me. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more. You know, everybody's suffering. And the guys that's really suffering are the guys that do it full time. And I feel really bad for them. You know, but, but now, that we're, now that we're getting to going, they're, they're, they've put stipulations and rules and stuff in play. I mean, we all clean our boats. I mean, I don't know if they think that we don't clean the boats after customers come, but every day after my customers leave, I go back down to the boat, spray the boat down, clean it with cleaner and go on about my day. I mean, we're, we're not, I mean, that's, that's it. I clean my boat, clean my rods and reels, sand it, spray the boat down and there's nothing more a guy can do. Well, and Zach and I have talked about this at length, and we've been pretty vocal about how we think, you know, the outdoor industry is taking the hit on this. And we have our feelings on it, how, you know, I think not rightfully so, the outdoor industry is taking a hit more so than other people because of, you know, well, you can't go out on a boat because you can't be six feet apart. And to me, it seems like there's no better way to social distance than to be six miles out on Lake Erie yeah. and be fishing with one or two other guys. That to me, so I don't but, really see but what Walmart. Oh yeah, there could be two hundred no cars in Walmart. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, they've let us go now. They've opened up the non-resident fishing licenses. We're we're able to start running charters, and we got to follow the guidelines. Everybody follows the guidelines, we'll be just fine. But you know, you know how that is. There's going to be the rule breakers, and there's going to be somebody that's out there in the spotlight. That is the rule breaker, you know? Yeah. Going to ruin it for everyone. Yeah. I mean, that's with anything, but what are you going to do? You got to just be on your stuff. And I know with your, your company, uh, you know, obviously you guys are doing what you need to do. And I think that's a great yeah. thing. And every I other mean, charter. I, I, I got same. bleach solution. I got hand sanitizer. I've got masks. I've got everything. Rubber gloves, the whole, the whole ordeal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Another question I have for you, and we've talked about this, some of our favorite fishermen and people. If you could take anybody alive out on the water. Oh, man. Anybody alive out on the water right now, today, take fishing, it would be my dad. And you you know the situation with that, and everybody that knows me knows the situation with that, and it's still going on. And that's, that's my number one wish is he would be out of the nursing home rehabilitation center where he's at, he'd be able to fish with. Yeah. And I think that's something, you know, those that don't fish and those that don't hunt and do some of this outdoor stuff. I think that a lot of people, you know, not to get too nostalgic, but you know, I think a lot of people don't realize the, uh, you know, how this goes down family generations and you know, how this all works out. It's not just people aren't just going out there for the trophy. I think most people, wouldn't care if they caught anything. They just get to be out there and spend some quality time yeah, with people and that they love. Like, that's you know? yeah, and I and I've grew up with my dad hunting and fishing and that's why, you know, that's the that's one the one person today that that'd be him for sure. Yeah, that that's awesome. And you know, I, I would actually have to agree with that. I love going out with my dad. I was just out with him opening weekend catching a bunch of uh which you would have or maybe my dad sent you pictures, but uh yeah, you would have been very unimpressed with why? What sets you apart? Why should somebody come out? I'm de- I'm, I'm dedicated to my craft. I've I've been doing it. I've plenty of, between me and my first mate that runs with me, Ron. We've got over fifty years of combined experience. And Ronnie's a Ronnie's a good fisherman. And me and him teamed up together. I don't think we. I don't think anybody can either out outfish us or be more personable with clientele than us. You know, that's why, that's why every, almost every, I have a 90, I would say a 97% return rate. Yeah. yeah, Well, I have a 97% return rate on clientele. This year, this year, I'm just going to be more. We have not been out one time and not caught our limit of fish. Oh Jesus, man! You got me, Jones, and man, I gotta. I'm. I might have to take a flight out to yeah. Detroit and just come out there, man. Because for right now, from where I'm at, it's about a 12-hour drive, which is a little bit of a hike. But the flight is it ain't, ain't nothing to come down there to Detroit and then just scoot over. But um, yeah, and then uh, kind of one last thing here. Um, was there any uh, you know plugs that no, you wanted to mention? I, I don't really. I don't really have any like sponsors. That, um, wanted, um, I just. My my one crewmate. I mean, that's that's the only person I'd like to mention. I mean, the business works with him. I mean, it, it really don't work without him. Ronnie is a vital part to to what we what I do and what the business does. So I mean, and and uh, where can they find your? You know, if you want to just plug your your business uh, and where they can find you on social media or the uh, Walleye Wizard Charters on Facebook that. or. Contact me through my website, www.walleyewizard.com. My phone number is on there. You send a message through the website. It will send it directly to my email address. And I usually return calls within an hour. So you're on it right there. See, that's customer yep. service, point in case, just like you're talking about. If, if somebody oh, calls me, 99% okay. of the time I'm going to answer, and I will do the the whole business ordeal right there on the phone. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, give them a call. Definitely. Um, uh, 
Cool, man. Well, you know, I just wanted to say thank you. We were able to make this happen and, uh, you know, we appreciate your time. And I will say once again, uh, check out Walleye Wizard Chargers. They're on Facebook and they are on um, other websites as well. So um, check them out and give them a ring. So just wanted to thank you again for coming out. Um, if you want to just plug, we do a segment. It's called Hot Gear cold beer and this segment is one piece of gear that you want to recommend and then one cold beer or drink whatever it is if you drink or don't drink whatever it is you'd like to recommend did you have any hot gear that you would like to recommend maybe something you've been using Um, a great piece of gear dj's customized bandits and hlns custom bandits i mean they're they're top of the line paint jobs both of them they both catch a lot of fish you can find them on Facebook. They've both got websites. Um, some of the bigger tackle stores around the Lake Erie area carry them. I even think there's some places in Wisconsin that carries their baits. I don't know of the shops personally, but I do think there's some over in the Green Bay, Appleton areas that carry their lures. Nice, nice. Uh, and, then, and then you got a cold beer you've been drinking? I, I kind of like the uh, vodka and cranberry or vodka and Red Bull right now. Oh, there, there you go. You got to, you got to get up early. Well, I don't, and not before trips, but as soon as we get off the lake, we, we, we indulge in a couple of vodka and Red Bulls or vodka and cranberries. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, we'll have yep. to have a couple. Yep, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, well, right now I'm drinking the hams. I finally found some down here. I couldn't pass it up. So got me a 30 pack of, pack of pork chops. Um, but hot gear, I'm going O'Keefe's uh, lotion. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I know what it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, these cold mornings for turkey hunting and stuff, and my hands are getting cracked, and um, you know, just cold mornings, hot days, my lips are going through hell. So O'Keefe's nice, has been there for nice, me. Nice. Um, what do I got? Uh, I got, so I went to the old fleet farm, tried hard and true, got some, uh, horse tranquilizers and then some peanuts because that's what they sell there. Um, no, uh, no, I went over there and I picked up a set of Coleman boots. I've been wanting like a set of boots, um, just for kind of wearing around, you know, the house or I'm just doing projects cause my steel toes, when it's hot out, they kind of get to be a pain. And then I got my tactical boots, which are fine, but then they're not waterproof, and I don't want to wear my muck boots. So I wanted something kind of in between. Clearance rack, baby. These Coleman boots, they're called Com- Coleman. I think they're called uh, Terrains or something like that. Um, they look almost like a gym shoe, but they're waterproof, and they got uh, 400 grains insulation of Dinsulate. And yeah, they've been great. They're actually waterproof. I've been wearing the hell out of them. They're all leather. I picked them up for 15 bucks. Can you believe that? Marked down from 60. Big ups to Fleet Farm. Um, Is that uh, are yeah, those ankle highs? Yeah. Like gym yep, shoes, yep, you exactly. said? Exactly. Yeah, it's great for just like, you know, they're ones that I don't really care if I beat the hell out of, but they're still waterproof. So if I'm just, you know, doing landscaping in the yard or, you know, going on a hike or something like that, they're good for that where I don't have to wear my, you know, super heavy duty boots. Um, 
Kind of like a cheap pair of uh, yeah, keys yeah, or exactly. Or That's something. exactly what they are. Yeah, and they're they're pretty decent. I mean, I'm still breaking them in. The leather still needs some to break in, but they're they're decent. Um, and then for the cold beer, I'm gonna go with the Fist City. Um, Fist City, yeah. Oh, Whoa. Yeah. Um, it's Fist City uh, Chicago Pale Ale. It's by Revolution Brewing out of Chicago. Um, yeah, uh, I, I had some. They've been sitting in my fridge for Lord knows how long and uh, finally got around to drinking them. And, yeah, they're pretty they're pretty decent. I mean, it's a pale ale. I mean, they're nothing knock your socks off, but it was something new. So, yeah, pretty good. I know I'm going to be stocking up on some Spotted Cow and Point when oh, I come up to Wisconsin this weekend. It's a which Point weekend. actually has a new – did you see that they actually have a new uh, a new beer? Uh, so they have no. a new beer. I'm trying to remember what the hell the name of it is. It's a new um uh oh gosh, it's um it's their new seasonal one. It's a lakeside, that's what it's called. Um so it is a so it's got it's almost like from what I'm kind of getting from it. Maybe I'll I'll buy some this week and then next week I'll cover them. Um but it is a vacation ale is what they're calling it. So it's a pale wheat ale, um, but it's got like orange and citrus in it. So yeah, I don't know. I'll take it for a spin and see what it's all about. It says it's good Sounds with salad, good. seafood, sushi, and vegetables. So nothing I eat. <laughs> I hate all those things. <laughs> so I will not be pairing it with any of those. I'll be pairing it with a tombstone pizza and I will enjoy it. So, um, <laughs> Yes, and yes, meat. meat like an adult. Um, but yeah, I think that covers this week, and we'll see. Hopefully, the main, the meat and potatoes of this episode, we can figure it out. Um, but yeah, Zach, did you add anything you wanted to add at the end of the episode here? Uh, no, I'm just gonna do some more fishing this week, and bought that E season tag in Wisconsin, so we'll try to get out and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, looking forward to finally start making yeah, more no, trips absolutely. again. And like I said, for those that don't know, Wisconsin should be opening up shortly. So that's what the word is on the street. Um, so hopefully we can get out and I'll see you at the local watering hole. Um, and uh, yeah, see me say hi and buy me a beer. Um, yeah, so that'll close it out. So as always, you can follow us on Instagram. We are at Between Two Pines Pod on Instagram. Um, you could follow us on most major providers of podcasts. And then, uh, yeah, if you're a professional in the field, hit us up, let us know how we're doing. If you want to get interviewed, we'll interview you. Um, and I think that's it. So yeah, thanks again.